This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode of Bookmarked is brought to you by Libro FM. Get two books for the price of one with your first month of membership using the code BOOKSTACKED. Again, use promo code BOOKSTACKED when you start your membership at libro.fm. Or check the show notes for a quick link to get started. Offer only valid for new members in the US and Canada. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Bookmarked, a young adult book podcast brought to you by Bookstacked.com. Now, if you're a longtime listener, then you know for sure that I love Avatar The Last Airbender. I don't know how many times I've referenced this show on this podcast, so naturally, I'm super excited for this particular episode. Today, we're sitting down with author F.C. Yi to talk about his new book, The Dawn of Yang Chen. This book is a spin-off of Avatar The Last Airbender, a show that aired on Nickelodeon from 2005 to 2008. There was also a very popular spin-off called The Legend of Korra that aired several years later. Even if you haven't been a long-time listener of this podcast, there's a very, very good chance that you're already aware of these shows' existence. The Dawn of Yang Chen is the third young adult novel that FCE has written that expands on the world-building found in the original television shows. I absolutely love these books, so let's not delay any further. Let's jump straight into the interview. Well, I just want to start off by saying thank you so much for joining us. We're super excited to have you on the show today. Yeah, of course. Glad to be here. So for anyone who might not know who you are yet, um, I'm hoping you can share a little bit about yourself and your books. Yeah, I write uh, young adult fantasy books. My debut novel was The Epic Crush of Jeannie Lowe, followed up by The Iron Will of Jeannie Lowe. And for a little while now, I have also been uh, writing the Avatar uh, young adult novels, focusing on past avatars, most notably The Rise of Kyoshi and The uh, Shadow of Kyoshi. I've got The Dawn of Yang Chen coming out in uh, July 2022, and am working on a uh, follow-up uh, a second novel about Yang Chen. Yeah, and I want to point out too, because um, you mentioned the, the Jeannie Lo novels, we've actually reviewed both of those novels in the past. Um, one of our reviewers, Christy, who's been on the show before, I went back and looked at her reviews, and she gave both of those perfect ratings. Um, oh, so <laughs> I think we've actually reviewed all of your published novels at Bookstacked, and we've given each of them really high ratings and we've enjoyed every single one of them so it's definitely a delight to have you here and i just want to like shout out to anybody who's listening i I suspect a lot of people are listening because they're interested in avatar go check out not just the avatar books but even the genie low novels because these are books we've recommended in the past Thank you for that. So, like you mentioned, there are already two novels out there, The Rise of Kiyoshi and The Shadow of Kiyoshi, and now The Dawn of Yang Chen comes out July 19th. And so, yeah, could you just maybe share a little bit about what fans can expect from The Dawn of Yang Chen? Yeah, so the Kyoshi books were kind of like a prequel to the first show about Aang, 
so it, it reaches further back in the past and tries to do a little bit of world building in the past and and, and set up. Uh, Donnie Yang Chen is even further in the past than the Kyoshi novels. So it's kind of like a an attempt to show how you know histories of past avatars who are very large in you know whatever current avatar timeline we're looking at how they are also human and flawed with their own sets of problems and strengths and uh, and weaknesses. So it's providing a little context around uh, folks who are sort of like in universe legends. In the main avatar timeline, Kyoshi is already, you know, quite a notable figure, but uh, the books show her in, as she's sort of developing to the avatar she will end up being. And in the same way that Yang Chen is a, you know, has a large presence in Kyoshi's timeline, this is a book about how Yang Chen uh, needs to find herself as a young adult and uh, develop the style of leader that she is uh, going to be. The books about Avatar are sort of innately books about uh, leadership, due to the way that the uh, due to the way that you know the world is set up, and each iteration where we get to look at an Avatar is we get to see what type of leader each character is, because there's many different ways to be uh, be a leader. That's been one of the things I've loved so much about uh, reading these books. And I, I did finish The Rise of, or The Dawn of Yang Chen earlier this week. And so I've read all three at this point. And one of the things I've so appreciated is just how each avatar is different from the next. And one of the big treats has just been seeing how do they approach things differently from their predecessors or even their successors. Like if this is, if you're an avatar fan, in my opinion, you need to be picking up these books because in my mind, they are, they're not even like supplemental almost to the show. If you're looking for more avatar content, these are the things you need to check out. They're, they're essential reading in my mind for, for any avatar fan. Well, thank you. <laughs> I'm looking at Avatar right now, and it's a very exciting time to be an Avatar fan. I know there was a huge resurgence when it returned to Netflix, um, and Netflix is now doing a live-action adaptation of the show. And then there's, of course, lots of rumors and stuff about movies. So there's a lot of Avatar content coming, and I'm kind of reminded a little bit of the Star Wars universe, where um, you have a lot of different creators kind of dipping their toes into this world and being given the opportunity to tell different stories within it. So I'm just kind of wondering, like, to me, that sounds like one of the coolest gigs in the world to be asked to write for the Avatar The Last Airbender universe. So I'm just kind of wondering if you can dive in a little bit about how that came about. How did you become involved in writing these novels? I've been a fan of the show since the original series. And like you said, it, there was that amazing resurgence of interest uh, when it came to the show on Netflix and the you know the, the movie projects the new movie projects being announced Avatar Studios being announced um, but you know even prior to that there was still a like with Star Wars there was still a really strong community of uh, fans and appreciators who just kept the torch burning for the show they were they were there since the beginning um, you know I'm, I'm proud to have been a fan since uh, early on so what ended up happening was that my first series, uh, the, the, I mean, the Genie Lou novels, while uh, I was on tour promoting them, my publisher, Andrew Smith at uh, Abrams, just asked me out of the blue uh, during convention, like, hey, are you a fan of Avatar? I, I had a maybe, I guess, as to like wildest hopes and dreams of why he was asking that, and, but I didn't I want to blow things out of proportion, so I just said, uh, yeah, 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 I'm a big fan. We didn't talk about it for a good long while after that. Then, I, I get out of the blue, I was told that 
Abrams had set up a pitch with Nickelodeon for a Kyoshi series. I believe Abrams already had a working relationship uh, around Avatar with supplemental uh, materials and activity books and, what, and, and the like, but they put together a proposal for a book series about Kyoshi, and Nickelodeon said uh, yes, and part of the pitch was is that they said they had an author. That was, that was me. So after I heard about that, I agreed and just went right to it, um, and then they sent me up with a chance to talk to a Nickelodeon uh, editorial and Mike to begin with. That's how it started. As I developed in writing in general, um, as I understand it, that's not a typical experience for um, IP novels. Sometimes you have to, might have to like audition for uh, an IP book that's out. You know, so, so it was a little bit different. So I think in some way it came down to how did I get it? It was basically pure, pure luck. Man, it was, it was luck. So. Yeah, well, that's still awesome. I mean, that that's such a neat story. And you are right, that, that does sound like very different from the traditional path you see when it comes to, to putting books together, even expanding already existing properties. So did this proposal come from Abrams itself? Or was this something that the creators, Mike and Brian, the creators of the Avatar show, did they go to Abrams with this proposal? Like, did that originate at the publishing house or was it outside of the publishing house? It originated with my publisher, I think. It had to be submitted to Nickelodeon with Mike and and folks uh, involved. So it was kind of, it was a proactive thing on the part of the, on part of the publisher. And for that, you know, I will forever be grateful to Abrams for taking that, Um, Yeah, I feel like the timing was perfect because now they have Avatar Studios, the the company that they just spun up, where like I mentioned, they're they're now telling all these extra stories. So I think it sounds like Abrams' timing was just, (laughs) they were right on the ball. I imagine once you were offered this job, there was probably a lot of pressure to work in a world with characters that are loved by so many people. What were your emotions as you started writing this book? And like, I, was it a daunting task for you, or did you feel like you were pretty well prepared to take it on? You know, it was it was honestly pretty terrifying, uh, and you know that that fear came and came and went. It still comes and goes, and I'm more productive when it when it's not uh, there. I certainly wanted to you know put my best foot forward as a fan of the franchise and. In front, of, in front of both Nickelodeon editorial and uh, Mike, and then eventually Brian, because given that they're you know creative heroes uh, to me and many and, and many folks, so it was nerve it was nerve wracking. But I would say that the thing that got me through it was the creative and sort of reassurance that I got from Mike and Brian and uh, my Nickelodeon editor Joan Hilty, uh, my Abrams editor uh, and also, and I was able to get feedback you know touch points and feedback on how my overall direction was going and i was able to use you know sort of like mike's north star guidance on you know who's the character how are they growing over time and how can we show their uh, narrative arc so given the fact that you know the the original creator was giving the advice of just do what's right for the story resorting to that advice uh, did help me through those uh, periods of high pressure and, um, and, and worry. Yeah, I imagine it was probably really neat to actually work with Mike, like you mentioned. Uh, one of the things I know you've talked about in the past, people have asked you how much freedom you had when it came to writing these novels. And 
My understanding is it sounds like you had a decent amount of freedom when it came to putting the story together and coming up with the characters. I'm just kind of curious, like, to what degree were you given free reign with the story? So, for example, obviously Kiyoshi comes from the TV show, so you had that foundation to build off of. But you have other characters like Rongi in in the Kiyoshi novels or even Kavik in the Dawn of Yang Chen. Did those characters come from you or were those characters that... Uh, Mike and Brian already had thought up of and sort of handed off to you to to explore. Yeah, so uh, like you said, there there was considerable degree of freedom on creating the characters and plot arcs for the novels. So the secondary characters, they are all ones that I I made up. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and you know, Mike and, and Brian uh, read the output that involved them, but but they left it up to me to figure out what to do with them. I definitely got tips and great pointers on where to where to go with them. Like to give you an example, Shadow of Kyoshi originally, I want to say in the outline stage, didn't have as much of Ali, and then uh, and then Mike pointed out, hey, you know, you know, she's kind of uh, her relationship with Kyoshi is kind of like the heart of the book. You don't want to step off the gas pedal uh, on that. So that's really good advice, and I, I can't, you know. I, I, his landing where it's like, yeah, well, wait, yeah, that's right. Like, what was I thinking? So Mike and I will definitely have input like that, and that's always for the better. But as far as for uh, the adventure of, of characters, I've been free to do what I need to uh, in service in the story. That's awesome that you're given that much creative freedom to, to explore. I, one of the questions I have is just how do you even approach that? Because I feel like all of your additions, not only are you adding incredible characters, but you're also expanding on like the history of the world and even bending in some of the origins of where certain elements of bending come from. Yeah, how, how, what is your process for adding to, to the Avatar universe? It's clear that there's feedback from the original creators involved. But yeah, how does that even start? And can you walk me through what it takes to, to actually add a new addition to the universe? Yeah, I mean, it starts with the, the billion world building done by everyone from the, the folks who worked on the TV series to the folks who work on the comics, you know, like, you know, Faith and uh, Extreme Lin Yang, Irene Ko, uh, I'm probably forgetting, uh, I probably, if I'm forgetting folks who contributed to comics, I apologize. But between, uh, with so many ability uh, creative minds, there's a lot of world building details to hook into because they've thought of the key questions where there's their setting and there's magic systems and there's characters, but you know, the, the same will still apply where people are people. You know, they will react in human uh, compelling ways, in ways that flesh out narrative arcs. So uh, I, I took a similar approach, and from there, I tried to figure out what would people do given these, you know, these locations and constraints and uh, motives and personalities. So when it's sort of like looking at the uh, the sandbox that's been given, but then figuring out how uh, interactors and uh, would move throughout that uh, sandbox, you know, like what surfaces would they bounce off of what, uh, how would they uh, form relationships with each other. So that's, you know, it's a pretty light brown. If anything, it generates a lot of uh, ideas and trying to narrow uh, them down ends up becoming part of the process just as much as trying to generate new ideas. Like I said, uh, it's a lot easier when 
so many things are flushed out so organically and naturally by the source material. And then from there on, there's clay to work with. Yeah, there is so much already set up that you could explore because like you mentioned, you have both TV shows and then there are comics that have already been established with so many different, I guess, mediums that Avatar exists in now. I've heard authors talk about story Bibles or I guess encyclopedias that they write for themselves so that way they can keep their world consistent and make sure the logic and history uh, isn't contradicting itself. Um, Is there something like that available to you as you're writing these books? Not Really, not not in the uh, you know in the extremely uh, broken down way that might exist for other uh, intellectual properties. So it sort of comes down to you know just relying on again on the, on the fact of being a, being a fan and trying to uh, dig as deep into the existing materials and working from there. Certainly, the books get editorial passes from folks who are definite subject matter uh, experts on the creative teams and in and with uh, that editorial teams uh, but there isn't a initial sort of rule saying you can do this or you can't do that speaking of additions that you're adding to the avatar lore one of the cool things about the dawn of yang chen is the fact that we actually get to see airbenders in the more traditional sense because obviously if you're familiar with the show you know that in the first show avatar the last airbender uh, there are no more airbenders we only have ang and so the bits that we get about the airbenders they come from his memories and then in the legend of korra we see a new modernized generation of airbenders that are born but what's neat about the dawn of yang chen is that she herself is an airbender so we get just a little bit more about what life was like for airbenders before the events in avatar the last airbender so i'm just kind of curious uh, what have been some of your favorite aspects of airbender culture air nomad culture to explore as you've been writing this book i mean the approach is that with you know thriving your uh air nomad community is that there's still people and they may, while they still have you know they may have different values than the other uh, three nations there's human beings that have more in common with each other than they than they don't so um understand what they figuring out what they might be like amongst themselves is too much of a of a stretch in the sense that you know in a, in a way Cora actually did provide us a, de- a good example of what a, a small community of airbenders might look like because you know family's a small community and people have relationships and conflicts and friendships within their communities anywhere no matter where uh where they come from and being able to apply that uh from an airbender uh viewpoint was both fun and also gratifying to do in the sense to show like hey you know this is, here's the community thriving and arguing and supporting each other the way that you can uh, you would expect uh, any of the other nations uh, to do there drawing from the cues that were uh, given by the source uh, by the source materials around how their vendors interacted with each other how they ate and had fun and we could see things like their you know their games and the recreation and their you know how they spent their how they spent their time those things are again just the sandbox when presented with that you know you imagine how how things move around in there and that's the and that's basically how the community of airbenders was fleshed out in the, in Chen. One of the things that I have really enjoyed about your novels 
is the way you've been able to capture bending in writing. I, I'm pretty sure it was the shadow of Kiyoshi, and I'm obviously not going to spoil anything here, but there was a um, great fight scene, and it felt so cinematic. And I was just amazed at how, I don't know, I felt like I was watching the TV show again for the first time. <laughs> when you see some of the really neat animation that exists in both The Last Airbender and in The Legend of Korra, and I had a similar experience as I was reading The Shadow of Kiyoshi in particular, but really this, this applies to all three novels. And I'm just curious, has it been challenging to write bending, um, and how have you approached adapting such a visual element into words? It's a challenge because of how spectacular the visual experience is of watching the show. What I ended up relying on rather than trying to depict every single motion is that it is to capture the narrative arcs of bending and fights and the internality of those fights. What helped was that the fact that the show, because it, it does everything so well, including its action scenes, it, sh- it shows an internality for each character in a fight and a narrative arc uh, over over the course uh, over the course of an action scene. Like to give an example, in the last Agni Kai, I, I, I can't. I'm just trying to describe uh, every single motion that they, they do in, in that scene. Is beyond. It's, it's just beyond me. I, I can't have the skill to to, uh, to to do that. But the last Agni Kai provides an example. There's narrative and internality built into the fight scene itself. So like Azula is basically trying to rush down Zuko, but Zuko, because of his character growth throughout, the fact that he has made friends from the other nations, can hold his ground, borrow techniques, and stay firm in his position and who, and, uh, who he is uh, long enough to trip up Missoula. And if you think about that, that's just a, that's a physical portrayal of a lot of internality character arcs that have been developing over the entire show. So using that, keeping that strategy in mind uh, in the books, Rather than try to show every fluid motion, I, I try to keep some level of internality with most of the action or fight scenes where each character has a motive or a strategy. What, the, what happened in, in the past matters or, uh, or plays into the outcome of the fight that's happening in the present. So while I, that might result in not necessarily capturing every movement of every limb, it can at least capture the you know surprises or reversals or encompass the character growth of the participants in, in ways that are hopefully satisfying to read. One of the other things that I really have enjoyed about these books, and I feel like this was explored a little bit in The Legend of Korra, but I think it's fascinating that your books explore how the reputations and the legacies of previous avatars create pressure for the current avatar. So for example, in the Kyoshi novels, Kyoshi is constantly being compared to Kurok and Yang Chen. And here in this novel, Yang Chen is very aware of the reputation that Avatar Seto left behind and how she's being measured against him. And in some ways, Yang Chen has a haunted relationship with her past selves. You know, why is this an element of avatarhood, something that you've chosen to focus on? And do you think that maybe grappling with the legacies of previous avatars is is that an important element of actually being an avatar? I think so, in the sense that the avatar role is, you think about it in the universe, it's, like, it's a hell of a lot to ask a kid to, you know, to step into and take on the problems of uh, the world. Because these are projects that show the, you know, the development of you know, a child into a leadership and adult uh, figure, to a certain degree, the presence of adults or past figures are going to weigh 
upon younger figures. You know, being young adult franchise, there is a, a common component of discovering yourself in relation to the world. You know, as contexts and constraints and expectations as you discover those things and figure out how you're going to react to them. So one part of that is I do, I think there's, due to the fact that the, the characters are are younger, lends itself to uh, that type of narrative exploration. I think another part of that is, as I've said before, you know, the, the Avatar is a leader or expected to be a leader. They're the bridge between humans and spirits. There's some degree of expectations around, uh, around that regardless of the era that they're in. And, you know, we have expectations of our uh, leaders. Uh, we do, you know, we as human beings, we do comparisons. We do revisionism. We both, we treat our leaders in ways that, that are complex and our leaders treat us in ways that are uh, complex. Let's just say, we, to, say, to, to, say the, to say the least uh, of, of it. So past avatars are going to loom large in recent history until enough time has passed and they're no longer re- recent history and we're looking at them in a, in a more distant uh, manner. So in certain ways, the only few scenarios are going to make that not a thing. So like extreme scenarios like Aang being asleep for a uh, hundred years. Korra, if you think about it, would have a much more typical experience throughout history, assuming nothing disastrous happened to the avatars where there wasn't avatar within living memory. Uh, that's a big deal. Uh, that's a big part of it. The fact that the previous avatars is normal, probably normally going to be within living memory. So the legacy of who came right before you, where if you're talking about a single lifetime, there's enough there's enough time to have passed for there to be for that figure to be considered larger than life and all their successes and failures, but not enough time has passed where folks can't compare you to them. <laughs> folks can no longer compare you to them. So that type of term of placement does feel like it makes sense for there to be that element of trying to figure out where you stand in relation to your predecessor, whether you are a reaction to them, whether you ignore them, uh, whether you fight what they've done, things like things like that. Well, I think you've done a great job, and I felt, if anything, I've, I've appreciated the different avatars more. I, I do want to kind of finish a bit discussing Yang Chen since she is the the lead of this new novel, and I found her so interesting. I to me, I was really surprised by her. And, and to be honest, I don't know what I expected from her, but she can be very calculating and she seems to have a knack for, for political maneuvering. But at the same time, she's also very compassionate and she's very quick to trust others. Um, and so what does go into creating an avatar? Uh, can you walk us through your process of, of how you start with a character like Yang Chen and arrive at the person that we meet and discover in the book? There is one artificial constraint in the sense that you don't want to make an avatar who's too much like other avatars. As a you know, as a franchise gets more mature, your options do constrain a little a little bit on personality side. But uh, all kidding aside, I'll go back to the, the fact that you can think about the world and what types of characters it might develop. If you're talking about you know an air avatar within a cycle of where there's no interruption in the manner of Aang or in the manner of Kyoshi living for support so long where there's no interruption um, you can think if you think about it where somebody from a monastic society that's most has spiritual concerns is suddenly told that they have to be a leader of not on the spiritual side but also for humans you know, for large 
you know, nations and lots of people and get involved in that and be considered effective. That's a huge conflict laden, uh, laden scenario where a lot could go wrong and lots of things going wrong is basically the foundation of books uh, or stories in, in, in anything to try to try to be interesting. So thinking about that and we'll just follow through to like development of Yangshan. Okay, somebody like that uh, who's in this world that is not necessarily interrupted by outright war and they're expecting an avatar and they're being told that they've got to be involved and figure out how they're going to be involved. Someone from a society like their nomads can might either take the approach of like, look, I'm not, I'm not going to touch politics. I will be a spiritual figure that folks can look up to and, and we'll leave it at that. They could take that approach. Genshin probably hangs a lampshade on that. Or they could take the approach of like, Look, I'm gonna figure. I'm gonna figure out how to act to be, you know, try to move the world in the direction for the better, using actions that work and or, or that I think might work, and try to do my job in that way. Where you know maybe that character's goals are how much suffering can they alleviate versus how happy can they make people. So those seem to be natural questions that somebody might ask themselves when faced with this position. So if, with that as a basis for Yang Chen, then it's like a question of like, okay, how is she, what's her character like that? Which is how is she going to solve her problems? To give an example, like here, she ultimately solves a lot of her problems by threat of force. I didn't think that was necessarily what Yang Chen um, would do as a pacifist and as a dedicated pacifist. If you ask somebody nicely and they say to, to, you know, to be good and they say no, what are your what are your options in that case? You got to break your beliefs and and resort to force, or you can resort to trickery, perhaps. Uh, Ang, you know, Ang's not averse uh, you know, to that. So the reason why I went through that example is that's uh, an instance of where the constraints on the, the as presented by the uh, by the universe ended up fueling the character and how the character uh, uh, developed. Yeah, I really enjoyed getting to know her in this novel. Uh, and also, I, I found myself just very, very anxious for the sequel. <laughs> um, you do such a great job at, at, I think, setting up these characters that people can can really fall in love with. But also, you do a great job at creating a lot of mystery and suspense. Oh, oh thank you. Yeah, it was, it was a great joy to read. So where can people go online to learn more about you and your books if they're interested? I'm not online that much, but I'll do announcements here, here and there at Twitter and Instagram. The handle is Ye Book Author. So that's my last name, Y E Book Author. Um, and I think you can find uh, all my books on the Abrams Amulet website. Awesome. And I'll be sure to link to all of those in the show notes. So if you're listening to this episode and you want quick access to all of those, just open up your app and uh, the links will be right there for you to to get to them. Thank you so much for that. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Anything we can do to make it easier. Yes, definitely. We want to, we want to help there. Yeah. Thank you again for joining us. I know I'm really excited. There's been a lot of rumors lately about the movies that are coming out and I know you're not involved in those, but one of the rumors has been that we're going to be getting a film about Kiyoshi. So I am crossing my fingers that we'll get to see characters like Rangi come to life on screen. No, no, I know zero about that it would so it would be it would would be pretty sweet i think we'll go ahead and wrap up here thank you very much thank you so much see ya